0: Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to SOMA's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at solma.church. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at Soma.Church. Enjoy the message. Okay, we've been in the book of Proverbs and, uh, and so today our, our theme verse for this series is Proverbs 4.7. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. And we said this week one, but the way that the book of Proverbs is broken down is uh, the first nine chapters of uh, in the book of Proverbs is just making the case that the beginning of, of wisdom is something to, to get after, something to pursue. So the first nine chapters is all about making a case for wisdom and beginning in chapter 10, all the way through the end of chapter 31 are, are the Proverbs, short pithy statements that just all different topics. It speaks to every area of your life. I just want to challenge you, if you haven't already over the summer, just read through the book of Proverbs, maybe read one a day if you need to, but you could read a chapter a day and it would make a huge difference in your life. And then apply the wisdom that you see in scripture. Again, it's godly wisdom. It's not knowledge or information or another degree. None of those things are bad, but it's just wisdom is from God. If you apply it to your life, it changes the game. And what's so cool is um, in chapter 10, all the way through 31 with all these different topics that are covered Verse 1 of chapter 10, and also the last verse of chapter 31, begins and ends with this, with this same theme. And so here's chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, it says this, the, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. And so out of all of the pieces of wisdom is how we treat people and our effect on people that that's so important that's the thing that is set apart basically you're either adding value to people's lives or you're taking it away you're either wind in the sails or you're sucking life right that's the that's the whole idea in the book of proverbs and and when uh when we look at verses on relationships in the book of proverbs there's a common thread for the fool so whenever solomon refers to the fool over and over again you see this phrasing that the fool despises others and so to despise others. What does that mean? Despise means to be in contempt of. So where do you hold contempt? What relationship do you hold contempt? To scorn, to disdain, to consider worthless or unworthy of honor. And so if you want a relational principle that will change all, it'll, it'll probably more than anything else, it'll change um, Your life is, and it's a relational principle, it's just the principle of honor. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, In in Proverbs 31, again, uh, he ends all of these Proverbs with that same theme of your impact on other people's lives and specifically honor. Proverbs 31, if you're familiar with it, talks about what it means to be a godly wife and how you should honor, uh, honor her, men, how you should honor her. Verse 31, it says this, Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. In other words, brag on your wife publicly, and all the ladies said amen and amen. Okay, so, uh, but, but it's true. Like, if, we, if these are things that we apply to our life, again, it's godly wisdom. It'll change the game. And honor is a virtue that I feel like culturally we just see less and less of. Um, it's less of a priority, I would say now than maybe than, it, than, than it's ever been. How many of you grew up in the day, you grew up in the day when somebody walked into the room, especially women walked into the room or just anyone, and, and you were seated at a table, you stood up. Y'all remember that back? You can raise your hand, date yourself. You remember that back in the day? And, uh, or, or just like the little things, I mean, you know, just like the little things that we would do to honor other people. You would hold doors, uh, manners. hello. Big thing at my house, and I just like we pound it like so much so that my kids are like, oh, you know. But it's like, yes, sir, no, ma'am, and it's only for their good. I promise you, it's not so that I really don't care about the phrasing as much as I do um, their ability to ascribe honor to their mom or or people in authority of their life. Uh, you know, if you're five, don't call me by my first name. You know what I'm saying? Like, like these are these are things that's like culturally just kind of we've let go of a little bit. I remember back in the day where we used to just fight over the check. You know what I'm talking about? Like I remember my dad and my uncle, like uh, you know, at a restaurant, they they bring the check and they would be fighting over the check, like who who could honor one another. You know what I mean? Like I want to. No, I'm paying. No, you. you know, and now we're like, all right, cool. You got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, but but so it's just it's different today. But the whole idea with honor is the more I value something, the more value I receive from it. So the more, uh, and again, we'll see it here in, in Mark 6, but the more that I value a thing, the more that I value my relationship with God, the more that I value my marriage, the more that I value my kids, the more that I value opportunities, the more that I value this, it could be a hobby, it could be anything in your life. If you're placing a lot of value on it, the more you receive from that thing. And we see that in Mark 6, verses 1 through 4 Uh, Jesus, he goes to his hometown. It says this. this. is a familiar passage. I go to it regularly. But Jesus, in Mark 6, 1 through 4, it says, Jesus left that part of the country, returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many people who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. They're offended. They're offended, key ingredient. They're offended, and so they lacked honor. Jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere, except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And so Jesus in this passage is so crazy to me because in Mark six, he goes home place that he loves people that he knows familiar territory and he lacks honor. They're offended and he lacks honor and they couldn't see Jesus for who he was. Um, And so, you know, it's, and it's a hard sell. If you knew the kid growing up and you're like, that's Joe's kid and pretty sure he made our coffee table and, You know, there's Judas and Simon over there playing kickball, and that's his brothers, and this is weird. Like, he's claiming things that, you know, it's hard for us to swallow, and yet uh, really significant because he is a son of God, and he is present. Miracles have been performed. They're teaching things that they've never heard before, and yet they still are having a hard time because they're (laughs) offended. Mark 6, 5 through 6, we go to those verses. He says this, he could not do any miracles there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. And so because of their lack of honor, because of the way that they saw Jesus, Jesus lived up to the expectations that they had of him. And it wasn't that Jesus couldn't heal people. He just, like, right before this, he resurrected a little girl and then healed a lady who had been bleeding for 12 years. Like, it's on him. Like, he's good. Like, he has the, but it's just their lack of faith. It's their lack of honor for who he is. And there's a correlation there between your faith in God and the honor that you have for him. So if I have a real robust faith in God, my life is reflective, it's, it's reflected, that faith is reflected in the way that I honor God with my time, with my talent, with my treasure, with my words, with my actions, with the way that I carry myself. And there's a correlation here in Mark 6. But he can't do great things. There's, what, what lies, what amazing things does God want to do in my life and in your life? What miracles lie on the other side of honor? That's, that's the question. There's a couple of key words that I want us to look at uh, in, this, in this passage. There's a word, atimos, which is the original Greek word, atimos. Everybody say atimos. Atimos, to dishonor or to treat as common or ordinary. And that's what it means to dishonor, to just whatever. It's no big deal. You're not a big, you're not a big deal. And then to everybody say to me. To looks like time, but it's to To value, respect. Highly esteem to treat as precious weighty or valuable. I love that highly esteem or to treat as precious honor esteems and it cherishes and it values and it builds up honor believes the best about people. Honor speaks to people's potential. Honor looks at what could be, what does dishonor do? It treats as common. It tears down, it criticizes, it belittles, it devalues, and it assumes the worst. That's what dishonor does. And so we tend to think that we deserve honor when we act honorably. You may have heard the phrase, you know, uh, honor is, is earned. But, but respect is earned and honor is given, biblically. So, like, I, honor is just a gift. It's just, it, it's required. It's a posture that says, God, I honor you and I honor your creation. This is the reason why we honor people, regardless of what they said about you, what they've done, how dumb they act that, you know, whatever that thing that happened that one time, like whatever it's like, I honor you because God tells me to, he created you. You're, you're made in his image. He has a call on your life and a purpose and hurt people, hurt people. So there's some things in your past that maybe cause you to act in a certain way, say certain things, do certain things. I'm supposed to have this perspective of Christ that looks at you and says, Hey, I honor you. And I see the potential in your life and I see what could be. And so I think about how many times we just speak death over people and then how they live up to our expectations. I remember growing up and going to school. We're getting ready to head into school year. And, uh, and every year it seemed like teachers would kind of get together and just talk about, hey, who's in your class this semester? Who's in your class this semester? And, and they would talk, you know, kind of give inventory of who they had last year. Oh, this kid's great. You know, they'll, they'll crush. Little Johnny, though, whoo. He is a terror, okay? And you begin to just kind of tell the teacher what's going to happen with little Johnny. Little Johnny walks in day one at a serious disadvantage. You know what I'm talking about? Well has been poisoned. Jesus, he could have come to faith in Jesus over the summer and got his life together, you know? He could be like a changed person. Little Johnny walks in, you know? And so it's like the whole idea is speak to people's potential and because we we do this with our relationships all the time. When we ascribe honor to someone and when we treat them as special and precious— as we start to build them up um, and as we, tr- as we start to treat them as esteemed, they often live up to those expectations. So somebody's struggling in your life. Begin to speak life over them, begin to speak to their potential, and then just watch what happens. I remember um, there's a story, of a friend of ours who um, her dad just was not a good dad growing up and just struggled. Again, had his own baggage, had things. He just struggled to be there, be present, be to serve in that role as father. And, um, and this, this woman, she's a grown woman at this point was meeting with her dad. Dad was on her on his deathbed, didn't have much of a relationship, but the Holy spirit spoke to her and said, Hey, I just need you to tell him, I want you to tell him, Hey, you're a good dad. And, uh, she was like, but he's not a good dad. Like that's not what he was. That's not who he is. Holy Spirit was like telling him he's a good dad. So she goes and, and she's praying with him, spending time with him, again um, realizing there's not much of a relationship, and says, "Hey, you've been a good dad." Just God breaks down, crying, weeping, repentant, like just. And it took her initiative of honoring again, not his behavior or his actions, but his role in her life, his position of authority, and uh, and even who God called him to be. That's what released all of that moment. And so it's amazing that when we treat people in a, in a poor way, right, when we belittle them, when we criticize them, tear them down, tell them over and over again what they're not, it's amazing how they, they act even more dishonorable. And so, um, you know, respect is earned. Honor is given biblically. And honor doesn't begin by how they treated you. Honor begins with God's claim on their life. So, again, biblically, here's what it means. And this is the gospel, by the way. So this is, I mean, all of it is the same thing every single week, but this is, this is the gospel. And so God can use our brokenness and our sin. He can see every single person in your complete depravity, but also see you in your perfect dignity at the same time in Christ. And so you're a sinner in need of a savior. He knows your brokenness. He knows your predispositions to struggle. He knows uh, the ways that, you, you know, you're, you're off the rails in some ways. And yet he knows he sees you in your perfect dignity in Christ. More on that in a minute. God can see everything you've done and still see who you can become and is always primarily oriented on who you can become again we kind of sit in our shame we kind of sit in past actions we kind of sit in sin and brokenness that's what sin does and God is always in Christ always speaking to our potential God can see all the mistakes that you've made and see all your potential at the same time and I love that God doesn't just see me as who I am but who is I can who I can be And and I think he calls us to the same thing, and I think that's what honor does, is it looks at people for who they can become, not who, who they are, maybe based on their current situation or their actions. And so see people the way that God sees people and with all that he wants for them. And so that's what we're called to do as a church. That's the culture that we want to build as a church. So I just want to say, like, for us as leadership, we just want you to begin to speak life over one another, speak to each other's potential, honor one another. Why? Because this is what God commands for us to do. And there's promises attached to that command. There's benefits attached to that command, but primarily we do it because God asked us to do it. And then he changes us as we obey him in that. Here's what's awesome. God loves you. And he puts he puts the love on display through Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And then he invites us into a relationship with him. And because of what Christ has done for us, not what we did, but because of what Jesus did on our behalf and our surrender to what Jesus did on our behalf, we accept the gift of salvation. And then God sees us as he sees his son. Not, not, as, not in our stupidity or uh, you know, the things that we do wrong or whatever, he begins to see us as Jesus. And the Bible tells us that one day when we step into eternity uh, and by the grace that he offers us through Jesus, when we're perfected, the Bible, there's a word, there's a biblical word, glorification, where we stand in front of God. He sees us as perfected in Christ. Not all, all the things that we did poorly, not all the things that we navigated. Again, if my faith is in Jesus, I stand in front of, in front of him one a day in a glorified self because of what God has done for me. That's what honor is. And so, Uh, Romans 8 30 just reminds us man those he predestined he also called those he called he justified those he justified he also glorified that's where that whole idea comes from speaking to our potential and and so um, um, he already sees all your potential before we even enter eternity and then this is what he's calling us to do for others as well so but honoring benefits us as well so there is a real benefit to honor Honor isn't really for the one receiving it as much as it is for the one. It's twofold, so it is for the one receiving it, but it's even more for the one who's giving it. And it's that moment where, where you honor a parent for their for what they've done in your life, where you honor a spouse, where you honor your kids, where you honor a teammate, where you honor someone who's had an impact on your life, where you honor... Uh, someone who maybe you had a pastor growing up that led you to Jesus, or you had someone of spiritual authority in your life where you honor, man, local government, federal government, like anyone in a place of position of authority, the whole idea is like as we honor others, it's so good for us. There's a humility marked by honor. Let me put it that way, that that's so good for us. To the degree that you honor your spouse, your family, your boss, your leaders, to the degree that you honors others determines what you can receive from them. That's what Mark 6 tells us. So if you're wondering why you're not getting further along in your marriage, if you're wondering why you're not getting further along with your kids, if you're wondering why you're not getting further along with your boss, honor them and then watch what happens. Watch what happens. And so Ephesians 6, 2 through 3, it says this, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And all my parents said, Amen and Amen. Okay, so, like, but it's just honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise attached to it. Here's the promise life is gonna go well with you and you're gonna enjoy long life on the earth if you honor your father and your mother. Now, the verse right before this says, Children, obey your parents. All right. So if you're at my house eating my Cheerios, sucking up my AC, obey your parents. Okay. Children like obey mom and dad. And, um, and that's a word for some of you. Write that down. Obey your parents. But if you're but like, well, I'm not a child anymore. I'm an adult. I'm out. I'm like on my own, doing my own thing. You still honor your parents. Children obey. All of us honor mom and dad, regardless of how old we are. Everybody can honor. Add weight and value to your parents. And if you do this, it comes back to you. It goes well with you. That's how, that's how serious honor is, that God attaches a promise to it. It's The first commandment with a promise is the one centered on honor. And you might say, well, you don't know my parents. You don't know my parents. You don't know my brokenness. You don't know my past. And dad left, or mom was abusive, or this was said, or this was done. And there's no conditional phrasing to this command. It's just to command. It's just honor them. Not because of uh, their ability to, to navigate that role well, just because. It says to honor them. And so you might say, man, my parents are godless people. You don't know my parents. Um, don't know God, couldn't care less, and their life reflects it. And I understand I understand. But at the same time, what do you think that is going to turn your parents towards your convictions and your faith in Christ, honoring them or dishonoring them? What do you think draws people into the presence of Jesus? What do you think makes people question, okay, maybe I'm missing something. Your life clearly looks different than my life. Grace is what makes the difference. And honoring people when they don't deserve it hits harder than honoring them when they do deserve it. Like this is what God calls us to do. And, and I would say this if you buy into what I'm saying today, God will give you an opportunity to honor someone who you're like, Bruh. like you're like, you're you're like, Oh man, now I have to apply this to this situation. I don't want to honor this individual because of what they said or what they did, but I honor them because God is asking me to do it. And if you're a courtroom setting and there's a trial going on, you address the judge as your honor. If you go into courtroom and and you're like, Sup, Bill? How's it going? Like, like I mean, just try it. Try it on. If you ever go to a courtroom, try that on. Cause you don't address them as your honor. It doesn't matter if they if they you know hold a political leaning that you hold, or if they even have the right character. None of that matters. When you roll up in that courtroom, you just say, "Your Honor." That's what you say. Cause there's a consequences attached if you don't say "Your Honor." Okay. So, but you're you're giving them. Uh, You're giving them that. You're giving them honor regardless of their character because it's not about their character but the seat that they sit in. And this is the biblical, again, this is also biblical, people who are in a position of authority in your life. This is the reason why mother and father, uh, there's a a command for this. But I would say anyone who's in a position of authority in your life, coaches, teachers, boss, government, like whatever, police officer, like anybody who's in a position of authority, Again, you honor them because of the seat that they sit in. Honor your parents. Why? Because the Bible says it's going to go well with you. And as we honor other people, watch what happens as you speak to people's potential. As you honor people, watch what happens, that relationship that you have with them and and what comes along with it. And so um, you've heard it said, you know, honor is earned, but, but really respect is earned. We've already hit this. And honor is given. And so the whole idea is I'm not going to wait for you to deserve it, but I'm going to give it anyway. Again, this is the gospel. It, it's not subject to you. It's my job, my privilege, my responsibility as a follower of Jesus to honor you. And and, and if you buy into honoring others, you'll get a chance to to honor people who you maybe feel don't deserve it in that moment. I promise you will. This is 1 Peter 2, 13 through through 17. This is what it talks about. It says, Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake, to every human authority, whether the emperor as the supreme authority or governors or who are sent uh, by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Here's how important it is. When people of authority see the way that you respect them, see that again, not respect, the way that you honor them, see the way that you position yourself and say, you know what, I'm speaking to your potential. And uh, he says, it will, it will silence ignorant talk of foolish people. And then he goes on, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves, servants of God most high. Show people respect, show proper respect to everyone Love the family of believers, the church, fear God, honor the emperor. We talked about the fear of the Lord last week. If you missed it, you can go check that out. But when he says, honor those in a, in a position of authority, it's the biblical principle. And it's true of everybody who's in your life who holds authority. Um, Paul says it this way in Romans 12, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. So honor people who are in authority, but guess what? As a follower of Jesus, you just honor everybody. (laughs) You honor everyone. Honor one another. And so the question is, how do I do it? Because maybe you're there and you're like, all right, sold me. Cool, I got it. Honor people. How? Let's get practical biblically. First thing is prioritize them. So anywhere that you want to see change, a relationship in your life that you feel like needs to turn or you need change or you need improvement. Again, prioritizing people according to the value to the esteem that you hold for those individuals. this is so important because I think we get like a lot of us are out of order when it comes to this. So think about the amount of time and energy that you spend on certain relationships or activities. If you were to actually make a list of priorities and you're a follower of Jesus more than likely would be like God, But what does it look like on the calendar? What does it look like in terms of time and emotional equity and headspace and prayer life? And just like, what does it look like? Do I really put God first in that area, prioritizing honor? Because again, if I have a real robust faith, then honor is attached to my faith. The reason why he didn't do great miracles or great works in Nazareth in Mark chapter 6 is because they lacked honor. He was amazed at their unbelief. And so, okay. I need to, I, God, I need to put him in the right priority in my life. And if you're married, marriage. So honor honor your spouse. And listen, we're all, <laughs> like, every, all, every single one of us are growing in this. You could be doing, you could be really great at honoring others, and you still got more room for growth. So I just want to encourage you. We're all in process. It's not an excuse for, uh, for ignoring it, but like we're all in process with this. But what, what about my marriage and am I honoring my spouse? Again, speaking to their potential, hello. Speaking to their potential, not what they said, not what they did. That's not who they are. What you did is not who you are. Uh, and same thing with your children. Same thing with your employees. Same thing with your coworkers. But again, to prioritize around honor. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. And Proverbs 3.9 is speaking to this whole principle of putting God first. This is the reason why we say pray first. This is the principle of the tithe. I would say it's true for not just financial, but just any area of your life. What does it look like for me to put God first with my time, with my service to others, with my relationships, with my financial equity, everything that God's given me? Priorities reveal the level of honor that I have. So the idea is add weight to God, make him more valuable in your own life. Proverbs 3, 9, I love the message. um, Eugene Peterson's paraphrasing. He says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. And so, again, if I'm honoring God and I'm honoring people, how does it look like? What do my priorities look like? Cause some of you like you have, and, and I know this just from personal experience, there's people who, if you were to take, if you were to write down a list of priorities, you would put them higher than you put other people, but you spend more time with these people than you do the people that you would say are a higher priority or, or you know, more energy here than, than, so just think through that. Here's the second one. Praise them. Praise them. Honor has a language and where you encourage others, you lift them up verbally. And this can be hard for some of us. Um, this is a challenge for some of us. But, but you, you got to begin to praise people. you got to begin to affirm what needs to be affirmed. And if you see someone, if you see something in somebody, you got to begin to speak to that and call it out. Don't just think it and be like, wow, they're amazing at that. Or, wow, you know, like they got a lot of potential in this area. Or, wow, they're really incredible at this. But then you never say the thing. Verbally express Praise to people, honor people with your words. I would say it hits harder when you do it publicly. So, like if, for example, uh, if someone comes up uh, to me and and we're having a conversation, and then, um, uh, you know, I'm uh, there's, let's say it's a couple, and then I I'm bragging on the husband in front of the wife. Ooh, it hits so hard for that husband. He's like, yeah, you know. I'm like, you know. So so bragging. Basically, being able to affirm and kind of honor people publicly, it hits that, that much different. But don't be duplicitous. Don't speak out of one side of your mouth over here and then a different side over here, which is sometimes what we do. So we'll, we'll honor people publicly, but then when they walk away, we're like, you see that dress she's wearing? That's so crazy. like, you know? it's like so, And so we struggle with, and James speaks to this. James chapter 3 actually speaks to this. It says, with the tongue, we praise God, and and with it, we also curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Again, we lack honor for people. And so James, again, he's firing shots at us. He's like, yeah, y'all like to talk a big game over here, and then you talk about people over here. Verse 10, that same passage, he says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursings. That's not cool. That's my paraphrasing, this is what James says. That's not cool. Don't do that. Don't speak praise over someone in this area and then talk, talk about them behind their back in another area. Again, you're not honoring them. You got to honor them when they're present. You got to honor them when they're not present. Yeah, but what if I got things to say? Don't say them. You, you you need to say the things that would build people up. You need to say the things that would edify. You need to say the things. And listen, if you have like, hey, but I got a correction, then say it to them. Say it to them and do it in a way that's loving. Again, truth and love. In a way that, again, you're not you're not pulling back on what you want to communicate, but you're doing it in a way that says, Hey, I'm for you. And um, and then and then you're not talking about them behind their back. But um honor has this language attached to it. And so the question is. Are we praising people with our words? Again, Ephesians 4.30. Uh, if you don't trust me, the Bible. For Ephesians 4.30. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So it speaks to the motivation. Why am I saying what I'm saying? Is this for them or is this for me in this moment? Is this so that I can flex on them or be sarcastic and me and kind of put them in their place? Or is this, or is this really to help other people? And, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. As you dishonor people, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves God as you dishonor people. And so, um, and so we, can, we can praise them. We can praise people. We can prioritize them. We can praise them. And here's the third one. This is how we grow in the area of honor. We protect them. Anything you value, anything you hold in high esteem, you protect it. If it's precious to you, you're concerned about it. You buy a safe. You put it in the safe. You bolt the safe to the floor. You know what I mean? Like, um, anytime, you know, like, Brooke and I were gone this week and we were doing the motion thing. We had a couple of our kids at home. My mom watching the kids we have we we care who's watching our kids we care about our children we want to protect our children We want what's best for our children if you're a parent you know what i'm talking about anything you hold in high esteem you want to protect and um and this is true for how we honor others we're supposed we're called to protect him it reminds me of in the bible uh, the story of noah and um you can go and, and spend some time on your own i think it's genesis 9 but um but uh, in this passage, Noah, uh, God makes his covenant with Noah. And um, so the end of the flood, there's 40 days of flooding. The ark rests on the ground. And, and, um, and so we're going to start over new humanity. And God set, you know, called this man who, again, who was righteous in God's eyes, who, was, who desired to be in right relationship with God, who was a godly man. And, uh, and, but he's been on a boat with his family and a bunch of animals for forty days. So you read the passage, and what happens is, it says he's a man of the soul. He goes and he plants a vineyard. and He gets drunk, and you could judge him, but you might get drunk too if you're on a boat for forty days with your family and a bunch of animals and things like that too. So he, but and and but the Bible. I mean, it's not we we laugh, but it's like real, and that I love it because time and time again, biblically, God uh, he chooses imperfect people to do to do his work. And so I love that God will tell us, hey, Elijah was anxious and suicidal and, uh, and that David was a, an adulterer and a murderer and that and Noah got drunk. And the Bible tells us as he got drunk, he was naked in his tent. And Ham, his son comes in, sees him naked, begins to mock his dad, begins to laugh at his dad and, um, and really shows dishonor for who his dad is. And so he goes and gets his two brothers, Shem and Japheth, He's like, man, come look at dad. He's lost his mind. He's in his tent drunk. Come look at him. And so Shem and Japheth, they decided in that moment, you know what? We're going to honor our dad. And so the Bible tells us that they, they go in, but they go in backwards. And they carry a blanket, essentially. And they walk in. And the Bible says that they turn their heads so that they could not see their dad's nakedness. And then they covered him. It really protected him in his, weak, in his weakness is what honor looks like. And they cover him. And so as a result, they're blessed by Noah. Ham's cursed. Actually, his son is cursed. Canaan's cursed. Um, And so there's a generational thing attached to this. But the the, the principle is honoring people looks like protecting them in their weakness. So it's not excusing sin or it's not like avoiding it or pretending like it didn't happen. Like. So much so, I mean, we know it happened because like God put it in the Bible. So it's like f- there for everybody to see. But, but like it, it's a part of the story. Hey, Noah, this is what you did, but this is not who you are. And, and I think this is what we're, we're, if you're gonna honor people in your life, we gotta get better at this. Again, I'm thinking, I'm seeing you as Christ sees you And so in your moment of weakness, instead of pressing in on your moment of weakness or making you feel smaller or making you feel little or whatever, I'm reminding you of the gospel that God loves you, he's for you, and this is what you did, but this is not who you are. And if you needed the the grace of God before you, are really going to need it now in your moment of weakness. And this is what we're called to do as we honor others. And is it hard, and does it require grace, and does it require forgiveness? Yes. But this is the god that we serve this is what he's calling us to do with our lives and again i think about jesus in in mark 6 and i wonder like what are all the things that were just left undone people who could have been healed relationships that could have been restored Spiritual awakening and life for those in Nazareth who they never got it because they didn't honor him. And I think this is what he's asking us to do is he's saying, okay, I want you to like humble yourself. I want you to treat people the way that I treat people. Yeah, but they hurt me. I know. And, and you know, he, he's saying, hey, listen, think about all the things that I saved you from. Think about all the ways that I restored your life. Think about all the ways I'm at work in your life. Think about all the broken pieces that you got going on. And guess what? I love you right in the middle of all that, and I paid for every bit of that. I'm working on them, too. Here's how I'm working on them. You. And if you honor them, if you honor them, especially when they don't deserve it, Watch what it does on the inside of you and watch what it does to them as you speak to their potential. And then they live life in a way that now they're, they're moving in a direction. Hey, you know what? I'm going to line up with what's being spoken over my life instead of, instead of what the enemy has said or instead of what broader culture has said or instead of what my parents said about me or instead of what my friends said about me. I'm living to the expectation of what God said about me. And you and I as Jesus followers, that's what we're called to speak over people's lives. Not what we feel, but what God says about them. That's honor. That's what it means to protect them. So put them in a position of priority. God, we want to honor you. We want to honor others. So much so, guess what? You're last. You're last when it comes to priorities. (laughs) When it comes to prayer life, when it comes to desires, put God first. Put others second. Put yourself last. Praise them verbally and then protect them. At their moment of weakness, oh, preach a great message and protect them. Show them honor. This is what Christ does for us. And this is what he calls us to do. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for the way that you love us, God. The way that you have honored us. As crazy as that sounds. You have exemplified what you see as our value in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You esteem us Everyone in this room, everyone not in this room, in such a way that you would lay down your life on our behalf and then invite us into this relationship, one that we don't deserve, one that you paid for. And then you see us not as what we did, but you see us as who we really are, who we were created to be. And You always speak to our potential. God, thank you. And we're only able to honor others. We're only able to honor you because of what you've done on our behalf. And so would we take inventory? Holy Spirit, would you just help us to see all the relationships that we can navigate a lot better, that we'd have greater breakthrough in the area of business. We'd have greater breakthrough with that coach or with that teacher. We'd have greater breakthrough with our friends or our family members if we would just honor them, not in response to their behavior, their actions, what they said, but just because you asked us to. And then watch what happens as we do. Help us to trust you at your word. I know it's hard. For the person who's here and you have spent a lifetime doing religious things, but you have never really surrendered, gone all in and given Jesus your heart, really given Jesus your life. I see you as Savior, but I see you as Lord. Again, God so loves you and honors you in the life of Christ that Jesus would give himself on your behalf. And then he calls us to honor him with the rest of our lives. So following Jesus doesn't look like me, man, um, not getting great things or or what I want or pleasures or whatever. It looks like me getting what God wants for me, which is so much greater than what I had in store. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, I want to come to faith in Christ. The Bible tells us that confessing Him as Lord with our mouth and believing in our hearts—that's uh, that's what brings us to a place of salvation. So if that's you today. And you see Jesus and you go, man, I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of going through religious activity. God's been working on me for a season. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me behind the scenes, but I haven't had a moment of confession. I would love to lead you in a prayer. So with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just lift your hand and say, I'd love to surrender my life to Jesus today. I'm tired of playing games. I want to go all in. I want to experience salvation, all that he has for me, all that he paid for. And I want what Christ has for me. If that's you, just lift your hand in the room and say, I need that. I need amen is anybody else? i see your hand thank you amen Whew. wow God thank you so much um, for us in this space God for speaking to us through your word and by your spirit God for revealing your son to us who loves us who's for us who teaches us who, to walk in the way of honor if you're here and you're and you're placing your faith and your trust in Jesus, would you just say, Jesus, I give you my life. It's the only thing that makes sense in this moment. I'm so tired of trying to manage things in my own strength. I'm so tired of attending church. I want to be the church. I'm so tired of just playing religious games. I'm so tired of just going through the motions. I really want a relationship with you and I desire to come alive in you. So would you meet me in this moment? God, take all of my brokenness and my sin and my past in exchange for that, give me over to a future and a hope and a joy that only you can offer and a peace that sets in when I'm in right relationship with you. And so help me to be a person of honor moving forward. Lead me by your spirit. Help me to honor you and honor others with my life. Put things in right priority. Begin to praise you for who you are. God, begin to praise people for who you say they are. And God, uh, be an advocate, protect, God, protect your name, proclaim your name, tell people who you are and hold to truth, but also protect others in their weakness. Give me over to that. God, give us all over to that. We we love you, Lord. We celebrate you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Let's stand, let's worship together.